Front office, please hold. Welcome to another installment uh, of our special guest segment of the Front Office Podcast. Uh, tonight, we are talking with a former NHLer. Uh, he's also been an owner slash coach, you know, channeling his inner slap shot um, of, uh, of a minor league team in New Mexico. Good friend of mine, Peter Ambrosiak, is joining the show tonight. Peter, what's up, buddy? No, not too much, Kyle. Just uh, living the dream right now, but... Uh... Really appreciate having you having me on. I'm uh, excited to chat, chat a little hockey, a little life, and see what else we come up with. Yeah, anytime that we get a chance to shoot the shit a little bit, man, it always uh, always resonates a little bit more. I know that you and I yeah. kind of are kindred spirits from uh, from different realms, so it's uh, it's all good. <laughs> there you go. But um, you know, maybe you know, instead of saving this for the end, you know, we were talking a little bit off air about the uh, the Toronto Montreal game, you know. The playoffs are kind of a weird animal this year because obviously you've got the realigned divisions. The season's been shortened a little bit, and there's been a little, you know, a little weirdness to the NHL playoffs the last two years based on everything going on with COVID. But based on what you've seen so far in the playoffs, what do you like? What don't you like? And, and maybe give us your analysis on who your favorite is to, to take home the cup in 2021. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so being the way the divisions are aligned, I, I'm getting a lot of the North, the uh, Gord Downey division, right? So um, it's it's hard to say who I would favor to win it this year. I mean, I, I like Tampa again. I, I thought they'd be in a lot tougher against Florida uh, and they just showed that, you know, they're the Stanley Cup champs, right? So they kind of came through in the clutch there and not that it was easy, but Florida had a really good team this year and had a great season. So that was a bit of a surprise. And then I look at Colorado that sweeps St. Louis, right? Like that's again, St. Louis isn't what they were two years ago when they won the cup, but uh, they still have a lot of, a lot of good players, a lot of depth. So, yeah. uh, and then I'm completely surprised by Vegas going to game seven against Minnesota tomorrow night. Like that, that's to me that that's a, uh, a surprise for sure. Um, so I'm not for sure being an Ottawa guy, I'm never going to pick the Leafs. Uh, <laughs> To, to, I would, I would be, I'll be honest with you. I think Winnipeg is going to come out of the North. They've got so much depth. Um, I think Jack Campbell is going to see the reality. He's going to slap him in the face pretty soon. He's, he's playing well. And then I don't know, is Freddie Anderson ready to, to handle what Winnipeg has to come at? So I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with a Colorado Tampa Bay final. Wow. So before I get I'm into not that, picking yeah. a winner though. <laughs> You're not picking a winner. <laughs> so before I no. get into to analyzing that, you had to bring up Winnipeg, knowing that I'm an Edmonton fan, did you? Uh, no, no, not at all. I, I'm completely shocked. But then here, here's the here's the thing. I watched a lot of the games, and they Winnipeg just played smart. Like they they realized after the second game, uh, even though they won, they could they could put a checking line on McDavid and Drysaddle. And then after that, what has Edmonton got? Like, I'm yeah. sorry. That's just, it, there's the nude. Sure. He's, he's a heck of a, a player, but he's not going to carry that team. Right. So now you've got a checking line that's able to keep McDavid and dry at bay. And now you can let your big guns 
play against, you know, Edmonton's second and third line. So um, they have the depth. If they can stay healthy, I think they can get past Toronto. If, you know, that's if Toronto wins, but, um, and then we'll see, I don't, you know, I haven't seen enough of the, uh, the Western conference out, out in the States or even this, you know, I guess, well, it's not central anymore, but even look at how well the Islanders are playing. So it's, you never know. Yeah. Well, the Islanders are my pick at the start of the playoffs to actually take home the cup. Okay. So happy that they, uh, they pulled it out in round one. So at least they've got another round to breathe a sigh of relief. But um, there, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. From Winnipeg's perspective, definitely. You know, they they're very well coached with Paul Maurice. I mean, that guy's a very, you know, even keeled. You know, keeps everybody kind of grounded. And uh, yeah, I think the adjustments that they made from from period to period in that series were yeah. evident. Whenever they took the ice, like they took away the middle of the ice. The entire series, they made Edmonton play along the wall, and uh, that, that's not Edmonton's game. Edmonton is a uh, you know up yeah. and down the you know cross ice one timer like you know they yep. they like to use their speed, but yeah you know I I wouldn't be surprised if Winnipeg makes a run you know with with the size that they have especially you see these teams really excel in the playoffs you know they might not keep yeah. up for you know an eighty two game season, but as soon as those playoffs those big bodies start to wear on those little guys and you see no oh, absolutely. Teams, teams like Tampa last year who were able to utilize a lot of that uh, going forward. But um, no, I, 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 I agree with you. There's a lot of surprises so far, like the, the Vegas, Minnesota thing, but I think Minnesota is one of those teams where if you don't bury them early, they're going to hang around yeah. and they're going to hang around and they're going to hang around until all of a sudden they're walking away with the victory. So we'll yeah, see. no, I agree. I agree. And, and it's by committee with them, right? Cause they don't have any stars. They, they don't have anyone that stands out and, you know, Vegas has a few big guns, but uh, you play a team game, it just goes to show you how far it can take you in the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, again, coaching is a huge difference in the playoffs, too. And yeah. you put you put Barry yeah. in any, any single roster, and he'll take them to the conference finals. Oh, yeah. The Caps coaches. are still kicking themselves for not making oh, that happen God, yeah. and, and sign him. Like, that was just, just silliness right there. So Yeah. All right, so you know we're we're analyzing the playoffs now, but let's let's go back a little bit in time, you know. And, and obviously, you had a very very successful way back. I said a little bit. I said a little bit. I don't <laughs> want to date you too much, but yeah. uh, you know, you obviously had a very you know very uh, you know good hockey career. You know, you had a very long hockey career, and you know we'll start off with obviously you're an Ottawa guy. You got to play for you know the Ottawa 67s in junior. What was it like making the transition from being a junior hockey player to eventually going, getting drafted and playing for, you know, an NHL team in the Buffalo Sabres? Yeah. It, uh, I, I was actually thinking about that because you, you sent me, you know, a couple of uh, items that we'd be chatting about. And I thought, okay, I'm, I, I want to think about this because I didn't have the easiest transition to be honest with you. I, I came back and played a year of overage, um, so as a 20 year old in Ottawa, because, you know, I was drafted as a 19 year old, which is, is a little bit different than the draft is these days. Things have changed quite a bit. Um, drafted in the fourth round. And to be honest with you, I thought the transition would be much easier going from junior and doing very well in junior. And, and I guess I, I wouldn't call myself a star, but I, 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 I did well. I, I had a good, good uh, 19 year old season scored uh, over 30 goals and over a point a game type of thing. So I, I thought, Oh, wow, this, you know, this shouldn't be too bad. And, and what a fucking wake up call. I tell you right now, <laughs> because, and things are, and, and I'm not saying that uh, the guys are softer in any way t- 
today than they were back in, in the late 80s, early 90s. It's just a different mentality now. And um, you had to earn your stripes when you went to training camp. I'm not saying they don't today, but it's it's a little bit different, right? It's yeah. it's more of a, um, it, nowadays it's more of a, um, we call it a brotherhood, but everyone is welcome. Everyone gets an opportunity. Um, I, back when I, I, I mean, I'll give you an example. My first, I think it was my second day on the ice in Buffalo as a 19 year old. And uh, Buffalo had Rob Ray. They had Brad May. They had, uh, oh gosh, Brian Curran. They had, uh, let's say six to eight, like tough, tough guys, right? I was going to say finesse and, players. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember, uh, I remember going skating around the ice and, uh, Rob Ray skated up beside me and, uh, kind of just looked at me and said, where are you from? I said, Oh, I played in Ottawa, the 67. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, you goal scorer? Um, n- no, not really. Okay. You're a fighter. I was like, no, he's like, well, what the fuck are you then? <laughs> and at that point, there was no like, you know what I mean? You're either there to, to fight on the fourth line and get your minutes or you're there to put the puck in the net, right? Yeah. So I kind of thought to myself, geez, what am I, you know? Like, um, so uh, it, it was it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a battle at first camp. Rick Dudley was the head coach. Um, oh, there, there's I a mean, blast it, in the past. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was essentially, you come in a week early, we're going to beat the hell out of you and see how you do. And then we'll bring in all the veterans and then they'll beat the hell out of you. Yeah. And then whoever's left standing gets an opportunity. Right. So yeah, I went down to Rochester uh, after a couple of weeks in Buffalo and uh, um, decided at that point, I kind of got an option. Well, we want to sign you to a three-way contract. And the East coast league team at the time was Erie, Pennsylvania and nothing against Erie, Pennsylvania, but I sure as hell wasn't going to Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and when I had an opportunity to go back to, to Ottawa for a, like a uh, overage year. So I decided to go back to Ottawa and do one more year there and then uh, ended up signing a contract with Buffalo in that uh, overage year. And then, you know, from there, I just spent three years in the organization. So it was, it was, it was a wake up call for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, most players who are making the transition from playing against people their own age to mm-hmm. you know, going up and playing against men, you know, that's a huge, you know, you said earlier, yep. huge punch in the face. You, you don't yeah. understand the difference of physical maturity until you are in that situation. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think, and, and yep. go no, ahead. No, no, you, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say not only the physical maturity, but just maturity in, in general, yeah. right? Like, knowing their way around the locker room in the sense of like who to talk to, where to go, you know, what to eat, like all, all that, all that stuff. Like you're coming out of junior thinking you're the, Hey, I'm the shit. Like I, you know, I played for Brian Killeray for three years and blah, blah, blah. And then you get there and it's like, well, I'm playing with, you know, the best of the best. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. In anyone who's transitioning from that point, you know, you see it the nail on the head. You're, you're thinking that, you know, I'm the man, I'm the best guy in my team. I'm leading the fray here. And you get to Buffalo and now everyone who's in your rookie class is also the best guy from whatever organization they came from. Yep. Plus you add in these veterans who know the game, they've been around, they know all these small details that you don't know yet. And that you have to learn on the fly. So yeah, it's a, it, it's a very sink or swim, you know, transition that I think a lot of people take for granted when they see, well, how come they're sending, you know, this young guy down to the AHL, like just put him up with a big, you know, with, uh, with the big yep. team. 
it's not that simple. You know, you've got yeah. these things that maybe not everybody's going to be a Connor McDavid and can go in and play as an 18 year old and, and be physically yeah. and mentally mature enough to handle that. So, um, yeah. you know, for every Connor McDavid, there's, you know, a thousand guys who are a top rated prospect. Everything looks like they're going to pan out to be, you know, the next one. And then all of a sudden it doesn't work out because of things like that. Um, so going to when you actually, you know, made the club, you're spending some time in Buffalo, you know, what was that like one, you know, growing up, you know, where you grew up playing, where you played in junior, going to a city like Buffalo, that's very blue collar. That's not really, mm-hmm. you know, everybody always thinks like, well, it's in New York. I mean, there's going to be buildings. There's going to be all these great, you know, <laughs> great nightlife at the Buffalo. It's like, there, there's nothing here. You know, yeah. so what was that like kind of transitioning from living in Canada and playing, you know, Canada's game up here to going down there, living in a city like Buffalo and really experiencing the the sports market in Buffalo for the first time? Yeah. And, and at the time, let's let's uh, be honest, too. It was all about the Buffalo Bills. We're talking Absolutely. early 90s yeah, uh, where they went to four straight Super Bowls. Right. So everything was uh, let's go Buffalo, Buffalo Bills. But um <laughs> You know what? I I feel like I had a little bit of insight because being in Ottawa at the time when I was that age, we got the Rochester and the Buffalo NBC channels, right? So yeah. I, I got an opportunity to kind of see what 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 that was like. Um, but so uh, let's talk about first the the odd. So the auditorium, they call it the odd, the stadium we played in. So it was right beside the parking for this. Now, picture this: you've got guys that are making, you know. At the time, a million, two million, that, that was good money back then in, yeah. in 95. And they're pulling up in $100,000 Mercedes. And they park these cars underneath the highway under an overpass that is right beside the Buffalo Odd. So we got rocks flat. Like it, I, I pulled up thinking that, you know, this was going to be, oh, this is the NHL now. Things are so... And, and I'm not putting down Buffalo at all. I mean, things have changed. They got a beautiful facility now. So the time was a lot different then, but I remember getting there and, um, and pulling in and they're like, Oh, park over here. And I was like, where, like under this overpass, like, are you serious? Like, who's watching my car? Like, Hey, I got an Acura Integra. I thought I was living the dream. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, you know, that was my first kind of, uh, I guess initiation was, was just that whole thing. The auditorium itself was so steep that if you were in the nosebleed seats, it, it felt like you could fall out of your seat and fall out, hit the ice. Right. It was just, uh, it was a different, it was a different setup. Uh, I mean, I remember the dressing room walking in the first time I walk in and there's a spiral staircase in the middle of the dressing room. <laughs> and that led up to a gym upstairs with some bikes and stuff. And I mean, there was no video sessions. There was no like uh, working out and stretching, you know, with like uh, physiotherapists and chiropractors and like, don't get me wrong. They had a great medical staff. The trainers were great. We, they did the best with what they had at the time, but things have changed so much. And uh, so it, it was, but I didn't know any different. Right. So to me, that was, that was great. I thought it was the best thing uh, that I could, that I could imagine. And I felt like, Hey, I finally made it. Like my first game was in Quebec city, mm-hmm. the old Nordique. So, uh, I, I remember getting the call to get called up. I was getting called up. So my my coach in, uh, in Rochester, John Van Boxmeer called me at like 11 o'clock at night. The Sabres had just finished a home game and they had a couple injuries. And, um, so he called me and said, Hey, you're going up. I was like, okay, what do I do? Like, 
I've never done this before. He's like, just show up at the rink tomorrow morning, bring your suit. And uh, you're flying out to Quebec city for the, for the game the following day. So I said, okay, no problem. So uh, I just remember being so nervous. Like I didn't sleep. I remember uh, Matthew Barnaby was getting called up with me. We we're both in Rochester. And I remember calling him going, what do we do? He's like, just meet me here and we'll go together. And he had been up already. So he kind of knew the drill. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we uh, got on the flight, went to Quebec city. Everything's paid for your meals, your hotel. Like, I mean, you get per diem. It's, it, it was, wow. Like yeah. I, I was, I was impressed. Right. And we flew charter planes. So we, we didn't have to go, uh, you know, we, we didn't have to sit with, you know, an air Canada Rouge somewhere. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was pretty cool. They, they used to charter the uh, New York Knicks plane. So wow. it was, yeah, it was, I mean, it was all that I thought it would be. And then some, and uh, you know, it was, it was a great experience, but it was funny in the sense that my first home game at the odd, I, I was like, what is this place? Like, where am I going? Where am I parking? <laughs> you know, who do I talk to? That kind of thing. So it was, yeah. it was good. Nice thing was I had my wife with me the whole time. So she yeah. was able to uh, come to Buffalo and, you know, we stayed at the hotel together. It was an hour drive from Rochester where I was. So it was, it was an easy transition, kind of like Ottawa and Belleville now, right? Yeah. The guys get called up. It's an easy drive. So for sure. Well, and yep. speaking of your wife, obviously she'll probably listen to this uh, when, when it comes out. So hi, Marianne. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's great. I, I mean, you mentioned Matthew Barnaby, and this is kind of going to bring me into my next little point here. So, you know, playing with Matthew Barnaby for as long as you did and actually being able to play on a line with him, you actually developed a little nickname for a line that you were on along with Jason Dodd, didn't you? Hey, I didn't develop that. I don't know. Some <laughs> clown in the newspaper developed that. <laughs> so what, what was it called, Peter? Um, I would say the dab line, but no, it was, uh, we were called the bad line, uh, the, the Barnaby Ambrosiak Daw line. And I don't know if that was uh, after watching a game we played or if it was just somebody <laughs> thought that was clever. But uh, it was funny because honestly, our first game together, uh, Jason Daw had already been up there. Me and Matt got called up together and our first game was in Quebec city. And uh, the third period we were tied, I think two, two or one, one or something. And uh, Muckler, who was the coach at the time started our line to start the period. And I remember the announcers, cause I watched the game after saying, Oh my God, like the confidence Muckler has in these three rookies, blah, blah, blah. Starting, you know, we started against uh, Wendell Clark uh, I think it was uh, at the time Matt Sundin was there and Owen Nolan. Oh, man. <laughs> so, like this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, same the... class. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure at all for you guys. No, no. So, how, uh, you know, if you don't mind me asking, how did you guys do against that uh, that powerhouse line from Quebec? You know, we actually played really well. We almost, I almost scored. Uh, I, I think we, I mean, we our ice time was probably five, six minutes, maybe seven minutes tops. Like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't anything major, but um, yeah, we had, we had a pretty good game. We had a couple of good scoring chances and we didn't get scored on, which at the end of the day, that's, that's all that matters. Right. That's what you're up for to keep the puck out of the net, not to put the puck. There in you the go. Net. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You got it. So, you know, obviously, you know, putting the puck in the net is, is a big part of, of how, you know, you win hockey games. So if you can recall, what is the biggest goal that you ever scored in the NHL? 
In the NHL? In the NHL. That I ever scored? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the one that I uh, assisted on? <laughs> yeah. uh, um, no, I, uh, I probably after the first game in Quebec, no word of a lie, I probably had 10 shots in the 12 games that I played. I was a I, guy that, that was a little dig at you. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. That, uh, that's funny because I felt like, uh, after that first game, I was like, man, this isn't so bad. This isn't so tough. And then <laughs> the ice time dwindled and then I uh, got caught up in the press box for a while and got injured and, oh man, it was, yeah, but it was an experience for sure. Yeah. Well, the thing is like, it, it's such a grind. And I mean, you know, it, it's, yeah. you know, going back to what we were talking about with the transition, like it, it's, it's one thing to make it and it's another thing to like you're saying avoiding injuries and and saying you know you have coaching changes every year that maybe you're you know that guy's favorite maybe you're not maybe you're playing with a good line you have chemistry with like there's so many variables that come into it but uh you know again you know you were able to you know live out a dream that you had coming up you're able to play in the nhl you're playing on national television you know you're you're you know you're you know you're living the life right so you know, with all that being said, you know, you, you make the transition once you're done playing hockey um, to, you know, the coaching realm and to eventually the ownership realm. So maybe talk to us a little bit about, you know, where you coached along the way and, you know, a little bit about your your time of, you know, being an owner of a, of a franchise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, after I retired in 05 um, and I really stepped away from the game for quite a while. I didn't even watch it on TV. Um, and I actually um, started doing real estate with my wife. We had a, we had a really good, um, really good um, kind of run, run at it for about four or five years doing real estate. Um, and I started coaching. I actually had the, the head coach of the New Mexico Scorpions, which is the uh, in the central hockey league. That's where I retired from as a player assistant coach. And uh he called me up and he said, uh, I need an assistant. Would you be interested? And I said, well, I, I'm not going to travel, but I'll, I'll be an assistant at the home games. And so I was on the bench with, uh, for, for a year as an assistant with him. And, and it was interesting seeing the professional game at, you know, uh, standing behind the bench and kind of being so like not so far removed from playing and feeling like, oh, just do this, you know, like trying to trying to coach and trying to talk to uh, talk to players who were younger than me, but you know, I'd even played with some of them and, yeah. and here, here's what I want you to do. And um, so it was really, it was really interesting. And I kind of, that's kind of where I cut my teeth on wanting to get into coaching a little bit more. And I felt like um, some of the best coaches, I think never really had a great, you know, professional career in the sense of being at the highest level, but they, they learned by from watching and from just, learning from coaches in the past. And I felt like I had done that. I had some really good coaches over the years that I tried to take, you know, little bits and pieces from each of them uh, and kind of, you know, mold my own style. So uh, I did that for, for a better part of a season and then um, walked away from that again after the, the, my, my uh, friend who was coaching left. Um, And then I had an opportunity to actually buy into um, a junior franchise that was uh, in Texas at the time, and we were going to move it to Albuquerque, New Mexico. So my wife and I, uh, we went in with a partner, 
and we purchased this team. Trust me, we're not talking hundreds of millions of dollars or anything. It was, uh, it was very reasonable. And we brought this team from, uh, from Texas and uh, we called them the New Mexico Renegades. So we, uh, my wife and I did a little bit of everything. Let's call it, um, we were jack of all trades, maybe master of none. So, I mean, I was, I was coach GM. Um, Marianne was uh, ticket sales, sponsorship, um, you know, helping with hotel travel, meals, like we did everything. And after the first year, we, we actually bought out our partner. So it was just the two of us in, in year two. And the only thing we didn't do was drive the bus. Literally. Um, I mean, we had the sleeper bus because we would travel from New Mexico. And I don't know if everyone's familiar with where that's located, but in the Southwest, and we would go all the way to El Paso, Texas. We'd go to Dallas, Texas. I mean, we'd go to Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, so we, we had a team of 25 between 16 and 20 year olds. Uh, Probably throughout the two years, we had about 12 different guys live with us because of billet billeting was tough. I mean, we had to have, that's another thing we had to handle was the billeting. I mean, it was, it was a lot. Uh, I think we learned a lot. We really enjoyed what we were doing at the time. Um, our kids were young, so they traveled with us. Like it, it was a, it was the right time to do something like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we learned a lot and we actually started uh, the first competitive um competitive youth hockey association underneath our junior team. So we not only ran the junior team, but we also ran a competitive youth hockey association with like nine teams. And it was a lot. I mean, it was 24 seven all the time. So um, yeah, we stepped away from that after two years and ended up selling the team, moving back to Ottawa and took a job where I met you with the Ottawa senators. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I'm, I'm very thankful for that because, you know, over the years, obviously, we've kind of separated with uh, with jobs and life and everything, but we always seem to, to reconnect, you know, every now and again, and, you know, we pick up right where we left off, right? Like, you, yeah. you left such a positive impression on me, you know, from the time that we met each other, just from your mentality, from your knowledge of the game, and from, you know, your general just overall attitude on life. I mean, you know, this is a conversation that you and I would have, even if we weren't recording this right now, which, which is always great. Yeah. So we're um, recording this? Yeah, <laughs> I just get it. Um, I didn't give you. Oh, Kyle, I agree. And, and I, I got to tell you, man, I, I, I think you are probably one of the hardest working people I have ever met, and that's, I'm impressed. Like, uh, I, I love the, your passion for life and for trying something new. And yeah, I, I think uh, you know we've got we've got a little bit of kindred spirits going there. We, we, I think we hit it off from the moment we met each other. Back in what was it, 2011? I think. Yeah, and, um, it was a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> things have changed, eh? Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, I think I had some hair back then, so it's, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, that was uh, that was good. I, I, you know, as much as sometimes we complained about that that gig we were we had together, I think the people that we were surrounded with is a good group, right? And yeah. it, it made it manageable. For sure, and and I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, I I had a. A hockey background in my youth but you know transitioning over to football it was it was kind of a a natural transition back when I got into the hockey side of things but again like leaning on you for a lot of the you know the questions that I had and, and learning a lot from from those conversations that we had were, were very beneficial for me and I mean you know that's why I wanted to bring you on so that way we could you know pick your brain a little bit more and just kind of talk about everything that you've been through because obviously like you talk about you know hard work and like man 
you've had such an interesting life just from you know <laughs> just just from just from the hockey side of things and not even taking into account everything else i mean you've got yeah. a great family you've you've done so well for yourself transitioning into you know a career as a business professional and that was actually going to be my next you know my next question i was going to ask you you know you you, you live you breathe you slept hockey and it was hockey 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 when you decided to officially take your step away from the game and move into the more business professional type of type of environment, how was that transition for you? Because obviously I think every ex-athlete has made the transition in one way or another, but not everyone is, is very successful with it. So what, what was it like for you when you were able to take that next step? And, you know, did you end up missing the game when you stepped away for good? And I'm saying for good for now because you might get a, yeah. back into it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The sense, eh? right? right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. You know what? I I think it took me a while to, let's say, not cut the cord, but I always felt like, um, you know, I wanted to try something new. I wanted to get out of of the hockey life because it's it's such a demanding, you know, line of work. Whether you're coaching, playing, you know. Uh, some sort of management it's just it's really literally 24 7 and it's so volatile that you could wake up one day and not have a job right yeah. um so I, I think it took me a while to finally cut that out and say you know what i don't have to fall back on that like I, i've got others another skill set i can use um you know i i got a taste of that when uh marianne and i were selling real estate i i felt we had a lot of success and at the time in new mexico and I felt like my biggest asset was my drive. Like I just wanted to be the best. Like I wanted to, I wanted to make the most money that month. I wanted to be the top partners like in, in, in our, in our um, company. Right. So, and I think people like our, my boss, he was, he was drawn to that. Like he appreciated that about me. He knew I wasn't the, you know, I wasn't the most finessed in sales, but you know, I could talk and I, I, people, in, you know, seemed to enjoy spending time with me and I think it was the drive that that definitely helped so I think uh then I you know after leaving hockey I felt like you know that why can't that transition into like you said the business world right and I think yeah. the biggest key I learned and, and I'll I'll thank Marianne for this is networking like I used to shy is the wrong word I think I used to not reach out to people to network because I didn't want, I, maybe it's a little bit of being pr too proud and, you know, um, not wanting to maybe them think that, oh, he needs help type of thing. But what I've realized in the business world is people love to help out others that reach out for a reference or referral, um, you know, some insight on something. I really think it's, it's, it's part of um, just your own success if you can do that and i and i think that uh for me once i got past that um you know i reached out to the nhl alumni and decided to sign up and do a few courses with them back in like 2012 mm -hmm. and before that i was like oh am i really an alumni i played 12 games i wasn't like you know but you're you're an alumni as soon as you play one game i mean i i went to uh some training there in toronto and uh, Brad May was, was there at the same time. Uh, and he played, you know, close to a thousand games. And then we had another guy, to be honest with that, I can't remember his name. And I feel bad. He played one game yeah. and he was there. 
And it was just, uh, I finally realized, you know what, like, it's okay to reach out to people and ask for help or, you know, yeah, anything like that. And in, in the sense of, um, you know, a job, a reference, uh, something. And, and um, what I realized is that, like I said, it's just, I think most people that get asked are truly honored to, to have the opportunity to help somebody out. Right. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I've never had someone say, well, I'm too busy or I, well, I would, I wouldn't do that for you. So I think, uh, and then you pay it forward, right? Like I'll be the first to, to help someone out um, that asks for some help with, with whether it's a referral or reference or anything, or jump, anything or I can do to podcast. Or jumping on a podcast. We'll do that. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that was my biggest hurdle. And then once I got over that, eh, you know, it's just, you you know, you 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 have like yourself, Kyle, you're an athlete. You have that that drive to to want to be successful. And uh, as long as that drive is the same in your personal life as it is in your professional life, then yeah, you're golden. Yeah. So, well, and, and that's so, it was such an important thing for people to understand is that the reason why a lot of former athletes are successful post-career is because they carry the best parts of what made them successful as an athlete with them and you mm-hmm. talk about drive you talk about hard work you talk about you know understanding the little things that maybe get overlooked by 99 percent of the population and that's what really makes a difference when you're you know learning something new or you're stepping into something for the first time, you can pick it up faster than the normal person would because you kind of break through that shyness. You don't have that. I'm, I'm afraid of the situation because you know what? I've been through this a million times before. And uh, you know, it's, and I'm so glad you said that because you hit the nail on the head and it's so true. But um, yeah, honestly, again, you know, this is why I wanted to have you on because you're, you're just such a genuine guy and you've been through so many different things, you know, from the sports side to the professional side to the family side that, it, you know, it really is important for people to understand that, you know, just because you see somebody as something doesn't mean that they don't also have, you know, a huge, you know, other, you know, bubble around them that really makes yeah. them successful. So um, again, you know, thank you for, for taking the time out of your schedule to hop on this, uh, um this podcast with us and uh you know anytime that you want to come back on we'll obviously be happy to have you but uh you know we'll 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 probably do it again during the playoffs because i want to see how uh, how we progress throughout the whole thing and you can be you want to see coach. who's right yeah, yeah i know you you picked the islanders i picked uh i I'm picked Tampa or, no I'm, yeah that's okay no, We're but not you know, wagering we, we, anything on this. We, we we can call you. We can call on you as our as our uh, as our expert to come on. How about how about? Oh, that? <laughs> okay, <laughs> loosely. All right, buddy. No, I appreciate the time, and I'll uh, I'll hop on anytime. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Well, again, a lot of fun. Always getting to chat with you, buddy. And um, yeah, we'll definitely do this again in the future. But all the best to you and the family, and uh, we'll see you around the corner.